Hi, my name is Rhonda Minga, and I would like to welcome you today to Freedom Ministries in Crossed, Arkansas. I invite you to connect with us online at freedomministriescrossed.com. Now let's take the time to pray before we tune in to today's message. Lord, I lift you up, and I just pray that you draw us by your Spirit. I pray that you show us your Word. You give us great and mighty revelations of who you are and how you want to move in and through us. Lord, be with these people as they tune in now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We want to welcome our guests this morning. Thank you, praise team. We walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. The just shall live by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But we learned in prayer this morning that it's not my faith, it's his faith. He said in Romans 12, 3, I give every man a measure of faith. So the seed of faith is on the inside of you when Jesus comes in your heart. You just got to exercise it. Got to exercise that faith. It's a fruit of the Spirit, so that means I can't produce it. I can't produce God's fruit. He produces it through me. And he said he gave us fruit that remains in John. Amen. I'm not going to preach this morning. I want to welcome our guest, Brother Chris, Chris, this morning. He's from Harvest Church in uh, West Crossing. Amen. Uh, sister, if you don't mind, could you just stay there for a minute, if you don't mind? Um, to God be all the glory, amen. I, uh, because I feel that the message that God has given me today, and it's one I've been preaching in several different places uh, as the Lord has laid it on my heart for his church as a whole. And uh, I had no idea that, you know, that this would come about, that, you know, if you'd asked me a week ago if I was going to be preaching here, I didn't know. So I believe that we're here by divine appointment. Amen. I believe that there's a purpose for what God has laid upon my heart. And I believe that there's some people that need to hear it. I already know because we've already danced around it just a little bit this morning. So I want you to go with me, if you would, in your Bibles to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 3. And we'll look at a few verses there. I believe that the devil is working hard. Amen. But aren't you glad that God's always ahead of him? <laughs> God's always got a plan. And God's always got a purpose. And so sometimes he shows us what the devil is going to do so that God's children will be ready. And I want you to understand in, in 2 Timothy chapter number 3 it says this in verse number 1. It says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Now, pay close attention to this last verse that I'm going to read out of this section. It says this in verse 5, having a form of godliness. Everybody say, a form of godliness. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. We may not understand and realize it, but whenever he wrote this to Timothy, he was talking about people within the church. He was not talking about people of the world. And so we need to understand today that the devil is attacking church people. Amen. He's attacking within the house. All right. 
I want to pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you once again for all that you have given us today, all that you are trying to do, and all that you are trying to accomplish. God, I know that I'm here because you have a word for all of us here today. And God, I pray that you would help us to understand what we need to do with this word and how we need to apply it. Because, Father, the preaching does no good if we don't do something with it. So, Father, I pray that you'd anoint us to see how to apply it, where to apply it, and when to apply it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. So, we look at Timothy, and he says that in the last days, there's going to be some things to look for. There's going to be some things that you can identify people as. And one of the things he said is that they would have a form of godliness and deny the power thereof. Well, that word deny there means to contradict. If you look it up in the, in the uh, Greek language, you'll find that it means to contradict. That's one of the definitions to it in the Thayers and also in the Strong's. You'll see several definitions, but one of those definitions is to contradict. In other words, I might have a form of godliness, but my lifestyle contradicts the power that is in godliness. Okay, Because I mean, you know there's power in godliness. And so with that being said, what is the problem? Where is the devil getting a foothold on church people to make them live a contradictory lifestyle to what the word of God says that we can live? That's a good question for us to ask, if, we, if the Bible's telling us that it's going to happen, well, I'd like to know why it's going to happen. Well, I believe that God has showed me the answer. And I believe that we need to understand that fear is running rapid in the church. If you look back the last couple of years, what have we heard about? Fear. What have we seen? Fear. COVID-19 breaks out. Everybody's scared to go to church. Everybody's scared to go to Walmart. Everybody's scared to do this and do that. And all of a sudden, everybody is living and ultimately, just a lifestyle of fear. I have people get mad at me all the time for not wearing a mask. And I'm not an anti-mask guy. And if you wear a mask, I don't care. That's fine. That's up to you. But I want you to understand, I'll have people get upset with me that I'm not wearing a mask. And they will literally get angry. Let me tell you something about fear that you may not know. 90% of your anger comes from fear. So if you're a mad person, you're probably a fearful person. Okay? Because why are they mad? They're mad because of their fear. They're mad because fear told them, well, because he's not wearing a mask, I'm going to catch the disease from him. And by George, that's just selfishness and all this stuff. I'm not here to argue about COVID. But I'm here to tell you about fear and how it operates. You see, we have a false doctrine within the church today. And I don't know what you guys preach here. And I'm not here to knock anybody. If anybody has said this, I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to tell them myself. I used to preach this same thing, but it's not biblically correct. Fear and faith cannot coexist. How many ever heard that preached? I've heard it preached a lot in my ministry. I've heard it preached a lot in my lifetime that fear and faith cannot coexist. That is a crippling, very crippling <clears throat> doctrine to get into. And the reason being is because, well, let's look at it from logically, logical standpoint. Number one, if I was to ask you the question, how do you overcome fear, what is your answer? Just go ahead and scream it at me. Face it head on, okay? Give me one word answers. How do you overcome fear? Faith. Man, that's the answer. That's a beautiful answer. But if they can't coexist, then you don't have faith to overcome fear from a logical standpoint. So if they cannot coexist, then we're wrong about how to overcome it. 
Because what? You either have faith or, or you have fear by that logic. And so you need to understand that whenever you are going to talk about this, it is a crippling doctrine because of the fact that if I tell this young lady over here, or if I tell Firecracker, I'll just call you that for the rest of the service if that's all right. But if I tell Firecracker, you <clears throat> don't understand that faith and fear can't coexist. And so therefore, if I tell you that, what do you think every time you feel fear? You think you don't have any faith. And if you believe that you don't have faith, are you going to act on said faith? No. And so if you don't act on faith, you can't really do much with your faith because the Bible says that faith without works is dead. Let me tell you a secret. Fear without works is dead also. And see, here's the thing. Faith and fear can coexist. That's why David said in Psalms 56, uh, verse number 3, I believe it is, he made the statement <clears throat> that at times I'm afraid, I will trust you. He says, when I'm afraid, I will trust you. So there's the presence of fear and faith at the same time. Now, <clears throat> the problem that you and I face today is we don't understand that to overcome our fear, we have to act upon our faith and not act upon our fear. Fear is like quicksand. Fear is designed to keep you in your place. It doesn't tell you to go backwards. It doesn't tell you to go forward. See, a lot of people think fear drives you backwards. It doesn't. It actually sets you in one spot, and it causes you to sink right where you're at, and you're just like dead weight. That's what fear is designed to do. Now, in the book of uh, in first or Second Timothy, I think it is, in chapter number 1, I believe it is, he said to Timothy, he said, stir up the gift that is in you. Because why? Because he said, we don't have the spirit of what? The spirit of fear. Well, that word fear there in the Greek is timidity. A lot of times what God has called you to do is just on the other side of your fear, but we're too afraid to act upon our faith. We're too afraid to act on the very calling that God has called us to. And see, that's an issue in the church today. You see, we come to church, and you guys were here today. We worshiped for a good while, and we experienced the holy presence of God. And that's great. I'm proud of that. I love to come to church and get refueled with the presence of God. But if we have to come to church to get refueled, there's something wrong with my intimacy at home. Amen? And so the problem is, is that we are living a contradictory lifestyle to the faith. Because we only show in our faith a lot of times when we're at church. And a lot of times people only see our faith when we either stand up here or we stand down here or we're doing things. But where is our faith when the circumstances of life show up? Where is our faith whenever things start to go wrong, not inside the church, but outside? Because here's the thing. I didn't see one person frowning today. You notice that? I don't think I seen one person. I looked at I looked at everybody in the room at least once, probably multiple times, because I was trying to listen to the Spirit and see if He was going to give me something for somebody specifically. But I also pay attention to people's demeanors. Because I just noticed everybody looked happy. But you know what? Probably some of you in here having a hard time with things at home. A crowd this size, you know, I don't know how many people we got here, but usually if you have five people and line them up, there's probably at least one that's going through something. Come on, somebody. We always going through something. 
But see, we come to church, and it's okay. It's okay to smile. It's okay to be joyful for the Lord. But in your calling, you see, most of us don't realize that our calling is not always inside the church. Amen. <laughs> some of you got, some, you got stuff to do outside of these walls. And I think I've seen on one of your Facebook posts here a while back uh, for Freedom Ministries that you were uh, going out to do street ministry. If, if, did I read that right? And I don't know what that entails for you guys. I've, I've heard people do it certain ways. But that's awesome. That's awesome to get out of the church. Everybody's always trying to build the church instead of build the kingdom. Amen? And we got to stop trying to build the church and build the kingdom and do what thus saith the Lord, <laughs> you know, as a human being. I'm scared to death to do what I just did up here a while ago. For you ladies and you gentlemen that was up here, I'm scared to death that I'm going to miss the mark, that I'm going to miss what God's saying. I'm scared to death that whenever I do it out on the streets to other people, that I'm going to miss it and that they're going to look at me like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But that's the devil putting fear. See, the fear is always there. The fear never leaves my side. <laughs> I'm not trying to, to tell you that you got you just stuck with it. That's not what I'm trying to tell you. But here's the thing. Fear is only effective if it's acted upon. And the best way to act upon fear is not to act on faith. Faith is also only effective when acted upon. And so if you're going to overcome fear, you have to feed your faith. And the only way to feed faith is to act upon it. Okay, does that make sense? You with me? And so to feed your faith is to starve out fear. Till eventually you get to a point that when fear raises its ugly head, you recognize that as just that. Oh, it's just that little old spirit of fear. No biggie, because I got authority over it. And I just keep on walking. I keep on trucking to the things that God has called me to do. You see, sometimes the Lord will tell you to do something, and it might just be an ever, ever so slight little whisper. But even the whisper of God should be obeyed. Sometimes we're waiting on these big dreams, and, man, I want a big vision, and I want, boom, blow it up, you know. I want it to give me a huge sign, and, you know, we're expecting something to fall out of the sky and jump on us, you know. <laughs> But what about just an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit? Because here's the thing. You all have access to Him. We all have access to the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit is here operating now, and He's going to lead me into all truth, as Jesus said, then I have to have an active relationship with Him. Fear is designed to cause you to sink right where you're at. You remember when Peter was walking on the water? Y'all remember that story? What caused Peter to get out of the boat? Faith? Okay. What caused him to sink? Fear. He got afraid, what the Bible says. When you read that story word for word, I was going to read it this morning, but I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stay out here and talk to you guys. But when you read that word for word, you're going to see Peter switch back from faith to fear. Faith to fear. Faith to fear, about three or four times in one little story. What is it, like five or six verses long, something like that? And you see, he jumps out of the boat, and we say, well, that was faith. But then he looks away and gets afraid. That was fear. But see, if he had kept his focus where faith told him to look to begin with, he'd have been all right. You see, many times we're sinking because we're focused on the problem more than we are 
focused on the solution. Amen? We focus so much on everything that's going wrong around us, and we begin to sink right where we're at. Because if you're going to change a circumstance, you have to change it how God called you to change it. And how he calls you to change it is by faith, by speaking life. Do you realize that you can speak to circumstances and change them? Do you realize that you can speak to the giant? David spoke to the giant before he killed him. <laughs> Amen? He was paving the way. Because words are powerful. The Bible puts it like this, that death and life are in the power of the what? The tongue. Meaning that your words are very powerful. The problem is, is that we verbally make agreements with heaven and hell about our lives. See, when you speak death, you're making, you're signing a verbal agreement with the devil and hell concerning that statement that you just made. So when you say, well, I'm too broke, well, you're probably going to stay broke. Amen? When you say, well, I'm just, not, I'm just not close enough to God, well, you probably stay not close enough to God. Because you're agreeing with hell instead of what the Word of God says about your life. And so we got to understand there's three applications to death and life from the power of the tongue. There's what the devil says about you. There's what God says about you. And then there's what you say about you. And that's the most important thing. You know why? Because no matter what you say, you're agreeing with either heaven or hell about your life. And so the point is, is that you have to get to a place to where you understand that when the devil rears his ugly little head up, that you have authority to speak life under the circumstances and not listen to the lies of the devil. You see, your thoughts are not your own. We always think, well, I thought this and I thought that. But how do we say God speaks to us a lot of time? Speak to us in our thoughts. If you're thinking negatively, who are you listening to? If you're thinking positive things, if you're speaking the word of God, if you're thinking about the word of God, that's God speaking into your mind. You see, my prayer is this. I pray a lot of times, God, I want my thoughts to only be your thoughts. But I'm going to tell you, that's not a realistic prayer. Because the devil is always going to be around doing his thing. And so instead of me praying that, I got to the point to where I said, God, let me recognize what thoughts I need to kick out. And which ones I need to speak. And it's easy to see. The devil don't tell you anything good. <laughs> the devil only promotes fear and doubt, <clears throat> brokenness. And see, the devil likes to attack you where you're called the most. You see people, you know, I, I'm going to talk about somebody who's close to me now. He's a family member, but he wasn't always close to me because we lived further away from each other and things of that nature. But the lifestyle that he lived... He pushed family out. He was on drugs and alcohol and different things and really just mainly drugs and had a really bad drug problem. But recently he got saved. Recently he gave his life to the Lord. And recently I can already begin to see that there's a calling on his life to set other people free from alcohol and drugs. And the reason being is because the devil attacks us where our calling is sometimes. Why does he do, do that? Because he's going to say, well, you have no, you have no right. Ain't that what the devil tells us all the time? You have no right. Girl, up a firecracker, you have no right to be being a firecracker for God. Because of this, this, and this. You know, I'm willing to bet 
that if you will pay attention to where the devil's attacking you, you can probably recognize your calling a whole lot faster. Not always, but most of the time. And see, there's, a, there's a people that have surrendered their life to God, but then they sit still and they begin to sink right where they're at. There's not a lot of good, wholesome teaching in a lot of churches nowadays about your calling. You know, the Bible says in the last days that he was going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And so, <laughs> why are we trying to suppress people's callings on their life? Now, I'm all about people being called, but I'm also all about people being trained in their calling as well. And not getting ahead, it's one step at a time. Because what happens if you skip steps? Well, you fall between the cracks. Because God put this step here because that step will train you for the next step. And so on and so forth. Sometimes we get ahead of God's plan. But do you know why we do that? Because we think if I don't get there right now, if I don't hurry up and get there, I ain't going to make it. It's fear that drives us. Because whether you're jumping ahead of God's plan, even doing good, or whether you're back out and sin, you're still missing the boat. You're still listening to fear. You're still living in disobedience. Some of you got some great callings on your life. And some of you have got to get to the place to where you're willing to say, God, train me. God, get me there. But some of you are dealing with fear. I know that fear is running rampant in the church today. And the reason it is is because that's the foothold of the mind. That's the place where the devil can get a hold of and hold people at bay. You remember the, um, well, let's just read it. Because I don't want to misquote nothing. Let's look at uh, Matthew, let's look at 25, Matthew 25. It says this in verse number 14. Jesus is speaking, and we call this the stewardship of talents, you know. It's a parable that he gave, but he, he said this in verse 14. He said, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. And to every man according to his several ability, and straightway he took his journey. Verse 16 says, And then he had... Had received, or he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained the other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five more talents. And his Lord said in verse 21, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, and I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. In verse 22, He also that had received the two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler of many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. But then 
He which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathered where thou hast not strawed, and I was afraid. And what did fear cause him to do? And I went and hid thy talent in the earth. He sank it. Just like Peter sank on the water. So there you have what is yours. But I want you to understand something about this story. You see, God has not called you to just maintain your salvation. He didn't call you to just sit on a pew. I was talking to a woman the other night. She had been saved, I don't know, she's probably been saved 40 years. And she was talking about how she is really bored with her life. And I said, well, I said, you is a Christian, ain't you? <laughs> she said, yeah. And I said, well, you're the mayor of your co apartment complex over there, basically. She lives in these apartments up there where, we, where we're from. And I said, won't you go share the gospel? So just go visit these people. Talk to them about the Lord because this is a place where a lot of disabled people live, a lot of elderly people live, and most of them are not even saved. And I said, you have a great opportunity. You have a beautiful opportunity that, that a lot of ministers like me, we wish for. I'd like to minister full time and not have to worry about working and, you know, and all that stuff. I wish that I had time to just simply do what she has the ability to do right now. That'd be great. I'd be living the dream, man, <laughs> you know. And she was just talking about how she's bored, and she just said, you know, I just don't feel comfortable doing that. Why? Because of fear. She's just maintaining what she got. And I want you to understand something. If you look at this story, and you go on to read, he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Now, what did he call faithful? What did they do that was considered faithful? They multiplied. You see, a lot of people never catch that. A lot of people never think about it. They think, man, I'm faithful just because I know Jesus. That's good. I want to know Jesus, and you've got to know Jesus to come to salvation, but that ain't going to get your calling done. That ain't going to get the work done. That's not going to spread the message of hope to other people. But we will sit on fear, and we will hold on to fear's hand and let fear just lead us and guide us and right into that hole. And we'll let him bury our talents right there. We'll let him bury the things that he's given us. And the reason that we do it is just simply because we haven't figured out that acting on faith alone will cause you to be successful in God. Now look here. To act on faith is not as hard as we think it is. This morning, I was scared to death to say, hey, there's four people that God told me to speak to. But I'm so glad that I did. Number one, I'm not trying to walk in disobedience. Number two, it was beautiful to me to see their face change as God spoke to him. To me, it was worth it. To see hope instilled into somebody else makes a big difference to me. It changes me. It encourages me. You need to be encouraged. Get out there and do what God's called you to do. You'll get encouraged. Amen? So I wonder, what is, what is it that God's asking you to do? What spiritual gift has he given you? 
Y'all teach on spiritual gifts very often in this church. I mean, some people never touch on it. I, I, you know, I ask that because not to say that it don't look like you do or nothing. It looks like y'all probably do, but you just never know. But I know a lot of churches, they don't, what spiritual gifts you mean? <laughs> you know, they don't know what you're talking about. But you need to understand that God has placed you in a position here in Crossing, Arkansas to make a difference. I'm all about growing churches. That's fine. I'm all about filling these pews up. That's fine. But you're never going to do it. We're never going to do it by making flyers. You know, we're never going to do it by, well, let's get the right preacher in here. Or we're never going to do it by let's make sure we hire the right pianist. And, you know, by the way, phenomenal job wherever, wherever she went. Oh, she's still up there. Well, my lands, lady. <laughs> you ain't asleep back there, are you? <laughs> but, and so I'm not, I'm not pointing a finger saying y'all doing it. I'm just saying the power of God in our life. We read, they deny the power thereof. Do you deny the power thereof or contradict the power of God in your own life daily? That's a, that's a hard question to answer sometimes. I don't know that I want to answer that every day. There are some days, man, I jump up and I'm excited and on fire for God. And I'm ready to storm hell with a water pistol. You know what I mean? I'm like, let's get them. <laughs> but then there's other times where I feel defeated. There's other times where the circumstances aren't on that great. There's times of trials that we face. There's times of loneliness that we face. You know, you can be lonely and be in a great marriage. Uh, I don't think I have time. Yeah, I got time. Y'all got time? I got time. Okay. You know why the devil's attacking marriages and how he's doing it? You see, the biggest lie of our lifetime right now, the biggest lie that we see, social media, you know, Hollywood, they're all the time, love who you want to love. You, you can choose to love anybody you want to love. You deserve to be what? You deserve to be loved and you deserve to be what? Happy. It's all about being happy. Woohoo, glory, I'm happy. I'm happy. Until what happens when he's getting on your nerves, ladies? And then you're no longer happy in that moment. I'll be I'll be married for it'll be twenty years this uh, December the first. And yeah, amen. Praise the Lord. Nowadays that's a long time <laughs> anymore. And it's been by the grace of God and the skin of my teeth that she's stayed with me this long. But, but one thing that we recently figured out is that my job is not to make her happy and her job is not to make me happy. You know what it healed in my life? A lot of loneliness. There was times that, because she's busy, we're busy people. We have four kids. <laughs> Those of you with kids, amen, you're busy, <laughs> you know, because you know. <laughs> there was times that we were busy. And that lack of intimacy and time that we had, you know, to just share, to just love, to just whatever. I was getting in my heart where I felt so lonely at times. But then God spoke to me one day and he's like, I thought I was your happiness. And I thought I was your joy. And you're attacking her because of she don't have time to wait on you hand and foot. Come on, somebody. <laughs> All the women said, hey, man, preach it, brother. Women getting excited in here. Because she ain't got time to 
run her fingers through your hair. Stop laughing at that. Y'all quit. That's horrible. But see, we get all these ideas that, well, I married her so she can make me happier. And, and are we looking for the man that's going to make me happy as a woman? We got to stop. There is not a heart in this room and on this planet that can be fulfilled by anything other than Jesus Christ. And that's it. And that's the truth. And as long as young ladies are saying, find somebody who makes you happy, they're already setting up for disappointment. And I can guarantee you disappointment will come in marriage. Get ready. It's coming. Like it or lump it. And so... What do I do? I get fulfilled in Christ. And then she don't look so bad anymore when she ain't waiting on me hand and foot. <laughs> Amen? And then, and then I don't look so bad to her when she's doing the same thing because we're fulfilled and complete in God. I gave this analogy the other night. And I'm going to spit it out again. Uh, so for the five or six or how many ever y'all that was there Wednesday night, I'm sorry that you got to listen to it again. But it's like eating junk food. You ever had one of them days where you just had a really busy day and you, you drive home and you're like, oh, man, I meant to stop at drive through McDonald's and get, you know, my, my coffee and, you know, that other uh, health food stuff that they sell there, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. My double quarter pounder with cheese. Come on, somebody. Woo. <laughs> Amen. But I forgot because I was in a hurry and then I realized I'm starving to death when I get home. But I didn't set no chicken out. I didn't set nothing out. And I ain't got time to cook anyway. I got four kids to take care of. So what you thinking? I ain't got time for that. So what do you do? You go to the fridge. Ice cream sandwich. Man, that looks good. You eat that. Ten minutes later, man, I'm starving. Open this cabinet here. Man, whoo, what is that? One of them ding-dongs or whatever they're called. They have cupcake, fudge round. Man, and before you know it, you don't eat all this junk food. You don't eat enough to feed ten people. In an hour, but you're still not satisfied because the body's craving something that is going to give you nutrients, something that is going to make you feel fulfilled and not just full. I mean, you know that after all that eating, you just feel full and bloated, but you're still not satisfied. You see, that's the way it is in a marriage that is focused on making each other happy instead of making Jesus happy. And relying on him to be your happiness. We need to get fulfilled in the things of God. And stop worrying about making everybody happy. I wish Hollywood and Netflix and Facebook and all these other people would just get a clue. And understand that we are not helping the situations. They are tools of the devil to be used to make our kids believe that they're going to find happiness in some dude. And then all of a sudden they don't. But see here's the problem. People are miserable than I've ever seen them in this society. God's, God's given us free reign. He said, vote who you want to vote for. Go ahead. Whether you're Trump or Biden supporter, God gave you the free will to vote for either one of them, and he gave you the free will to live with the consequences of it. Amen? We start thinking about who we vote for, who we, uh, what we watch on TV, who we throw money at, who we support. And God gives us that free will, but we're going to live with the consequences. And here's the consequences of society. We've been telling everybody that you can have happiness from outside of everything except for God. And people more miserable than I've ever seen them. You got people on the church pew 
that come in and they look like they are just mad at the world. And predominantly some of them are. You know, imagine if you walked in here, this is called Freedom Ministries. Imagine walking in here and everybody was just sitting down quiet and upset, mad at the world. You say, hey, how are you? And they're like, oh, I'm okay, I'm just making it. That's how a lot of church people are now. We, just, we need to get out more to see it, but it's just, it's the way it is. A lot of people we run into the grocery store, how are they like? You say, hey, thank you, you know. They don't say thank you for coming, you know, it's like, if I don't come, you don't have a paycheck, but they're not grateful for that. People are ungrateful because they're miserable because they've been lied to. I don't blame them. I don't look at people and get mad at them for the way they are. There's a reason why people act the way they do. And the reason is, is because we've been subjected to the lies of the devil, which is fear. You want to get fulfilled, live your purpose. There was a time when Jesus was questioned. They come and they said, hey, is it lawful to pay taxes? And Jesus, you know, he's a pretty intelligent guy <laughs> for the most part, you know. You know, he preached in a way that it got him killed. Somebody says, why don't you preach like Jesus? I'm trying to stay alive, you know, but amen. <laughs> That's just a joke. But no, Jesus... He answered with wisdom. And he said to them, they said, is it lawful to pay taxes unto Caesar? And he said, well, whose image is on that coin? Okay, now here's the Son of God talking to these people, the Messiah. He says, whose image is on this coin? And they said, Caesar. And he says, well, render to Caesar's what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Now, man, that's a good answer. That's a great answer. But I put yourself in the shoes of those men. Wouldn't you have a follow-up question? You got the Son of God right here in front of you, and you're conversating with him. Wouldn't you have the ultimate follow-up question? He said, render to Caesar what is Caesar, and unto God what is God's. What is God's? Come on, somebody. That's a question that needs to be asked. And I just have to guess, in the context of the story, that maybe Jesus would have said, whose image is on you? You see, here's the problem. We forget who we are. We'll listen to fear. You remember who you are, firecracker. You remember who you are and what God tells you. You won't listen to fear. You remember who you are and whose image is on you, whose child you are, whose son you are, whose daughter you are. And your purpose is just one step at a time, being obedient to him. You see, I made up my mind the other day, or the other day, a long time ago rather. I said, Lord, I don't care what you have me to do. Because every time that I'm obedient to God, I feel fulfillment. It makes me feel good. Is there trials that come with it? Yeah. The devil hates me. <laughs> he hates you too. And he's not going to stop. But I just feel tickled. I feel so honored to just be part of being in Christ. To just be part of the family of God is enough for me to say, 
I'm somebody. I don't look at myself as somebody. See, what you don't know is I live a life of misery. I lived a life of being too shy to even speak. Uh, It's funny. I didn't speak when I was a kid. I didn't speak to anybody. You spoke to me, I walked away. I didn't like to speak because I didn't feel important enough to speak. I had nothing to offer the world is the way I see it. You know what? I still have fear of speaking, not up here. I have fear of speaking to you in a normal conversation. If you meet me outside, I'll probably be awkward. I'm like, well, <laughs> hey, how are you? You know, and, you know, kind of just like, you know, stuff. you'll see me fiddling my hands. or, You know, I'm nervous just to even go to the drive-thru and order my food. I get anxious about it, especially when I have the wife and all four kids and then some. Right now we have custody of one of my niece's kids too, so we have five. And then sometimes you got friends and you know how it goes. But it's like I got to sit here for 30 minutes and explain to them, no ketchup, no pickle and all that. That makes me anxious, you know. And the wife's over changing her mind 67 times. Boy, thank God she ain't here <laughs> talk about her. But, you know, I was attacked in speech because God called me to preach. I knew from the time that I was probably three years old that God wanted me to preach. I knew it. It's always been there. The calling was always there. He didn't wait until I could speak in front of people before he called me. He called me before. He called me before I was born. He ordained it before I was born. And I'm up here speaking to you today as a man who struggles at just having a normal conversation with two or three different people in a group. That's crazy to me. Because the power of God working in your life is just simply saying yes. When I said yes to the Lord, my purpose became clear. And the how to get there became clear. You just do it afraid. I was always waiting for fear to fall off. I was waiting for my my faith to grow. Because I need more faith because right now I'm too afraid, right? (laughs) Because I can't coexist. So I, I'm waiting on my faith to show up so I can get rid of the fear. So I can finally do what I'm called to do. But no, God called me and said, do it afraid. He said, do it anyway. So I'm good. I'm okay. I'm okay preaching to you today. I'm okay speaking to you today. I may not be a, a scholar or anything. I don't care. I just want to live for him. And I just want to spill my purpose, I want to fill my life with the purpose that he said because he said, whose image is on you? And he tells me that all the time. He reminds me whenever I'm getting fearful, whose image is on you? For those of you just sitting here today and fear has been running your life, I'm not asking you to raise your hand or nothing, but I'm just going to tell you, it's just a choice to say no to fear and yes to faith. He told me to give a word to four people I said, yes. Was I scared to death? Yes. (laughs) I thought, gentle giant may not be so gentle. (laughs) He might hammer my head. (laughs) I mean, I used to be a pretty good fighter, but as I'm getting older, my body don't work like it used to. So I can still run, though. Praise the Lord. (laughs) But there's a mark that Paul talked about. He said, I press towards the mark of the high calling." The high calling, the purpose that God has called you to. Will you tell fear no? And will you say yes to faith? Because you're going to have both. You're going to deal with both one way or the other. So here's the thing. 
I'm going to close right here. I almost said that a while ago, and I thought, no, you ain't ready to close yet. <laughs> Don't lie to them. <laughs> Book of James says this, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Remember what the Bible says? Where does faith come from? Faith comes by? And hearing by? But does it just come by hearing? You got to hear it before you can do it. But he says right here, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. He's saying that if you're a hearer of the word, you're deceiving yourself. Why? Faith does come by hearing, and faith is always there. But until you activate faith with action, it's dead. You want to overcome fear? Get to work doing what he called you to do. Get to work saying yes and tell the devil no and let God change your life. I want you to bow your heads right where you're at. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to thank you. God, I just want to thank you for just the, the peace that I feel here today. The peace of God. Your peace. Because see, Lord, whenever I can overcome fear, then I'm then introduced to peace. And when I have peace, I can stand in the joy of the Lord. And so, God, today, there's some people that need peace. They need to understand that fear is not near as powerful as we think it is. Matter of fact, all power that fear has is only what we give it. Every bit of it. So, Father, today, for those that have been fearful, for those that have wondered, am I ever going to start? When can I start? God, you say they can start now. Fear is a liar. Fear is a thief. Fear has been sent to sink them and just hold them captive right where they are so that they just maintain. But you want them to multiply. You want us to multiply. You want us to grow your kingdom. You want us to be disciples that make disciples. Hallelujah. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm just asking that you'd help us to become that today. Help us to realize that we are in control. We always say that you are. But you don't force us to walk in your will. It's our choice. So, God, I'm asking that you would give us the encouragement that we need. Touch us right where we're at. To walk in the direction that you see fit. Lord, we love you and praise you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Why don't you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? <laughs> Hallelujah. It's 1227. And from what I hear, none of y'all care about that. And so, I want to give you the opportunity. If you're here today and you say, and you just be honest. Nobody's gonna, I don't think anybody's going to look at you and be ashamed. I'm going to tell you something. We all face fear. And people that say they don't face fear, they're probably lying. <laughs> I'm just telling you. So don't be ashamed. But if you're here today and you say, man, I've been struggling with a little bit of fear. I've been struggling saying yes to God in certain areas. Maybe it's areas you don't have to talk about it. But I want to pray for you. I want God to speak to your life. You say fear has been a thing for me. I want to deal with it. I, would, I just want you to come, and I want to pray for you. We're not going to...
I'm not going to pray for 45 minutes a person, I don't think, but I just want us to be honest. Hallelujah. Is this okay? I, I'm sorry, I didn't even think to ask, do you want this back or do I need to, is this okay? Hallelujah to you, Jesus. Wow. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want y'all to just uh, focus on him for just a few moments. I'm not going to hold you long, but I do want to obey God. I want to I want to make sure we're following his direction and not anything else. Just focus on him for just a moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hey, hey, sir, can you come here for a minute? Hallelujah. Y'all just keep focusing. Thank you again for tuning in with us. If this word ministered to you, please consider sowing a seed to Freedom Ministries at freedomministriescrossit.com. We have made it available to you on the giving page. Thank you again. Go and be blessed. In Jesus' name.